Hi, and welcome to eTalma 2.0. The main page that we're going to do today is actually Chaf Ahmad Aleph 20a of Chagiga. But of course, we didn't finish 19b. We didn't finish Yotesama base. So we're actually going to start um, from the bottom of Yotesama base, from the bottom of 19b. Um, and we're going to be analyzing <coughs> a Mishnah, the R Mishnah, um, and... Uh, proving a point from it. So we're at the second to last line, starting from the word Amar, and we will begin. Amar um, of Mary, of Mary said, Shmamina, we can learn from our Mishnah that Chulin Shanasu al Sakodesh Kekodesh Dami. That Chulin, so non-consecrated food, that was prepared according to the standards of purity necessary for Kodesh, for sacrificial food, for sanctified food, Kodesh dami is itself like Kodesh. So what does this mean? So what's Chulun Shanasu al Taharasa Kodesh? It's a big idea. What is this Chulun that was prepared according to the level of purity necessary for Kodesh? So there were very um, committed people who would regularly eat sacrificial food. And therefore what they did was is they made sure that all food that they ate they would be in a level of purity necessary, and the food would be at a level of purity necessary for Kodesh, for as if they were eating sacrificial food, because that way they would accustom themselves to always being in the appropriate state, and they would never mess up when they were actually eating Kodesh. And what Rav Mary is going to prove from our Mishnah is that when you have people that treat their ordinary food like this, then that food actually attains a level of Kodesh. It attains the standard of actual sacrificial food. So for instance, an example of that is, is that if you treat your food like this and you treat yourself like this, then your chulin, then your ordinary food that's not sanctified, that's not sacrificial, um, that could become pure, impure, tame beyond the levels that regular ordinary food can no longer become impure, which holy food, which sacrificial food can. So what we're saying is, is if you have chulin shanas, well, tarasakodesh, if you're sure, if you're careful to eat your chulin in such a state as if it is sacrificial, then it actually attains that level and can therefore become, attain impurity in the same way that regular kodesh, the actual sacrificial food does, that ordinary food is not able to. Um, it is not is not able to. So that's what we're saying here. Me my. So now the Gemara is asking me my. From from where do you see this in our Mishnah? And we respond, Midalokatani Bahumala. It's because the Mishnah does not have a level that refers to Chulin Shanasu Altara Sakodesh. It does not have a level in discussing the different levels of standards of impurity. You have the Chulin, you have the Maiser Shani, you have the Kodesh, you have the you have the mechatas, um, the chatas water, uh, but we, you don't have, we don't have a separate level specific to chulin shenaasu altaras hakodesh, for chulin that is eaten according to the standards of sacrificial food. From the fact that there's no specific level attributed to chulin shenaasu altaras hakodesh, it must be that it's because it's included in the level of kodesh, it's exactly, it's treated exactly the same as kodesh, as any sacrificial food would be. Now the Gemara is going to ask. So now again, we're, at Chagi, we're in Chav Amit Aleph, 20a. V'dil mahai delo katani buhu mala. 
di dami latruma hatani truma vi dami lachulin hatani lachulin. But wait a minute. Maybe the Mishnah does not give teach a separate level of chulin shana'asu al taras hakodesh, because if it's similar to truma, then the Mishnah, if it's on the same level of being able to um, being able to get impurity as truma. Hatani Chuma, we already taught Chuma, and then of course Chulin Shanas Al Taras Kodesh is included in that. But we know what the rule is, is because it because we know what the rule for Chuma is. And if it's similar to Chulin, just regular Chulin, Hatani Lachulin. The Mishnah already taught about the rules regarding Chulin. Ditznan, like we learned in the Mishnah. Chulin Shanas Al Taras Hakodesh, Harei Hain Kechulin. As we see in the Mishnah, um, this is a Mishnah in Taharos. Where we have one imp- opinion says the sages say that chulin that was nasal taras kodesh prepared according to the purity standard of kodesh is actually just like chulin. It cannot attain impurity like sacrificial food, rather like regular chulin. And Rabbi Lazar bar Tzadik Omer harin kechuma. And Rabbi Lazar bar Tzadik says no, it's like similar to the level of chuma, which is right above chulin, um, or which is right above. I'm sorry, Meister Shani, so two above chulin. Um, so we see that there are two possibilities, that Chulin Shanasu Altaras HaKodesh is either going to be like Chulin or like Chuma. Those two levels are stated in our Mishnah, and Chulin Shanasu Altaras HaKodesh is included in one of those levels. It does not need its own category, therefore, and therefore you cannot bring a proof that from the fact that it doesn't have its own category, obviously it's going to be like Kodesh, obviously it's going to be like a very high level of sacrificial food. Rather, we can conclude that it's going to either be like Truma or like Chulin. So rather, we need a different proof from our Mishnah um, that Chulin Shanasu Altaras HaKodesh is going to be like Kodesh. Elami Seifa. Rather, the proof is from the end of the Mishnah, of our Mishnah. What do we say there? Yosei ben Yoezer hayachasit shebeguhuna. We say that Yosei ben Yoezer was a very devout Kohen, um, a, ver- a very devout Kohen amongst the Kohanim. And yet we say, though, that his napkin was considered like a Tomei Medras, which we spoke about. It's a very high level of Tumah. Um, we say that his napkin is going to be considered impure for those who eat Kodesh. And then you have Yochanan ben Gugda, who would eat his Chulun according to the purity level of Kodesh his entire life. And yet we still say that his um, napkin would be considered impure for the standard that people need who will be handling the chatzas water, the red heifer water. So what's the implication? The implication is, is that for chatas, for the chatas water, this napkin was considered impure. But not for those who eat kodesh. Not for those who eat kodesh, who eat sacrificial food. Which were the inferences then, Alma Kasavar, so therefore we clearly see, we have this gentleman, we have Yochanan ben Gugada, who is very careful to only eat his chulin, who is careful to have chulin shanasu al-taras kodesh to have chulin, only eat his chulin on a level of kodesh, according to a purity standard of kodesh. And we see that his napkin is only going to be considered impure for those that are handling chatas water, but not for kodesh itself, Alma Kasavar, so therefore we clearly see Chulin Shanasa, Taras HaKodesh, that Chulin that is um, produced according to the purity standard of Kodesh is Kekodesh, Dami, is going to be exactly like Kodesh. It's going to be exactly like sacrificial things. Okay, so that's the first point um, of this Gemara, which is all about Chulin Shanasu, Taras HaKodesh, this idea of people 
that even ate their regular lechulin and only came in contact with the regular lechulin according to the purity standards necessary for kodesh, for sacrificial food. Now we're going to talk about another concept. So the idea that we're going to talk about now is that when somebody tries to eat their, for instance, their chulin in a level of purity, in a state of purity, I'm sorry, we say that what they are, uh, their possessions or their food are going to be considered pure only if they consciously and uninterruptedly guard their thing, guard their food from contact with impurity, with tuma. And if they even divert their minds for one moment, if they stop guarding themselves from, if they stop guarding their food for even one moment, then we have to assume that it became tame. Even if you're not, even if you don't know that it did become tame, as long as you diverted your mind for just one moment from guarding this food, we assume that it becomes tame. That's the rule. So that's what we're going to talk about now. Amar Rabbi Yonasam ben Alazar, Rabbi Yonasam ben Alazar said, if someone who is very careful um, with their chulin, that they will only eat it in a state of purity of kodesh, uh, that, that is necessary for kodesh. So if someone's um, afar, afarto, so his shawl fell from him, Omar al-Khaveru, and he said to his friend, Tanali, give it to me, Unasanalo, and his friend gave it to him, Tamea, it's now considered impure. So the idea basically is, is that once, when it was on him, he was constantly guarding it, quote-unquote guarding it, so there was no diversion of attention. But what the Gemara is saying here is that the moment it falls, and, um, and his friend is the one that retrieves it and gives it back to him, during that moment in time of the falling, retrieving, giving back to him, we say that it's as if he did not guard it. We say that his mind had been diverted from it, and therefore it's considered impure. That's ruling number one. Ruling number two. Amar Rabbi Yonasam ben Amram, Rabbi Yonasam ben Amram said, If someone's Shabbat clothes or Shabbos clothes became exchanged with his weekday clothes, and then he put them on, and he put them on. So basically, what he was trying to do is he was trying, he was thinking that he was going to take his weekday clothes out, and instead he took out his Shabbos clothes. Um, so he basically had a hesach hadas. He diverted his attention from his weekday clothes, and instead, although he was intending for his weekday clothes, but took out his Shabbos clothes. Nitma, we say that those clothes have become tummy. That's considered a hesach hadas. That's considered a diversion of attention. Now, why is this considered a diversion of attention? That's a very that's a difficult question that the Gemara is going to talk about. But what the Gemara is going to assume right now is that if you're guarding an item, presuming that it's a different item, and then you discover that it's different than the one you had thought, um, so you're guarding an item, thinking that it's item A, and then you realize later on that it was item B, we say that you did not properly guard item B, although you had intention on it as item A the entire time. That's basically what the Gemara is going to assume, and we'll talk more about that soon. Third ruling, Amr Abelazar Bar Tzadok, Abelazar Bar Tzadok says, It happened that there were two women who were chaveros. They were careful about the laws of Tuma and Tahara to a very strong extent, of purity and impurity to a very strong extent. 
So both of them were careful. And yet their clothing became exchanged in the bathhouse. And this episode came before Rabbi Akiva. Vitima on Rabbi Akiva said that both of their clothings are tummy or impure. So again, it's that same type of idea. Each woman um, thought that they were watching their own clothing, guarding their own clothing. It ended up not being their own clothing because they had accidentally exchanged them. So although they were guarding the clothing that were in their possession the entire time, because they thought it was a different pair of clothing than it actually was, we considered that to be a diversion of attention. And therefore, the clothing is impure. Okay. So now we're going to talk about the second two, the last two cases, or the second two cases that we just mentioned, which were about this divert, we considering it a diversion of attention when you think that you're watching one thing and it ends up being something else. And we're going to say how, why we're going to, we're wondering, is that really considered a diversion of attention? Maskifla Rabbi Oshia, Rabbi Oshia asked, El but according to this, Hoshit yado lasal, litol paschitin, if you put your hand into a basket to take out wheat bread, fa'alsa v'yado, pasa orin, and instead barley bread comes into your hand, hachinami dinitme, so you're going to tell me then that the barley bread is considered impure because you had intended for the wheat bread and what you end up coming out with is the barley bread and, if, and you, now you may say yes it is considered impure now you may say yeah it is considered impure indeed it is so that it is impure because that's considered a diversion of attention but that can't be because we taught in a b'raisa if you guard a barrel on the presumption that it is wine and then you find it out to be oil it is tahor um, as far as not being able to make other things impure is concerned. So what do we see very clearly from that brysa? We see very clearly from that brysa that if you guard something thinking it's one thing and it ends up being something else, it still works. It's not considered a diversion of attention. But then we say according to your reasoning that you just proved from the brysa. That if you guard something thinking it's one thing and it ends up being something else, it actually does not become impure. It's not considered a diversion of attention. But look at the very end of that b'risa itself. You cannot eat that oil because you had guarded it thinking it's wine. Now you think it's oil. Now why should this be so? Why should this be so that you can't eat this oil if what you're saying is correct, that a diversion of attention is not considered a problem? So the Gemara says as follows. Omar Rabbi Yirmiya, Rabbi Yirmiya says, the reality is, is that if you guard an item, assuming that it's one thing, and then you find out that it's something else, it's still considered a valid guarding. Now, how do we reconcile the two cases in the Brisa? The first case, the first part of the Brisa seemed to say that it's not a diversion of attention, and the second part of the Brisa that says you can't eat it seem to imply that it is a diversion of attention. So how do we understand this? So we say as follows, Be'omer, so the person who's doing the guarding says, Shemartiha mi davar hametama. The case is, is that I'm guarding the contents of the barrel from something that would render it tameh, below mi davar haposla, but not from something that would render it pasl. So, I think we mentioned this a while back, that the difference between tameh and pasl is as follows. When something is impure, <laughs> It has the ability, it will, if so, when something comes in contact with something that was um, impure, I'm sorry, when something is considered tame, it's called tame, which means impure, that means it itself is impure, but also has the ability to make something else impure. Pustle 
means that it itself became impure, but it does not have the ability to make something else impure. So what Rabbi Yirmiya is saying is the case in the Brisa is a case as follows. It's where you, so the Brisa believes that a diversion of attention is still considered a proper guarding, as long as you had in mind whatever it was you were guarding the entire time. As long as you guarded it the entire time, even if you thought it was something different. Now, how do we reconcile the brysa? So the first part of the brysa that says that you were guarding what, thinking it was wine and it really ends up being oil, we say that it's imp, it's pure in so far that it cannot make something else impure. So that is a case where, whereas we also say that you can no longer eat that, that's because the case is, it's where you said, I guarded the contents of the barrel from something that would render it tummy, from something that would render it um, impure to the extent that it can make something else impure. And that's why you don't have to worry about that. But I did not guard it from a lower level of impurity where it would only make the thing itself impure, but wouldn't make it so impure that it could make something else impure. And that's how we reconcile the brysa. So now we're going to ask an, another question. Is this really such a thing? Is there such a thing as a partial guarding? Right? Like we're basically saying is, is that we're saying that you guarded it from some things and you didn't guard it from other things. Now, is that really a reality? If you're guarding it, you guard it from everything. And if you're not guarding it, then you guard it from nothing. Is there such a thing as this half guarding, this partial guarding? That's what we're asking. In. So the Gemara says, yes, there is. The Hatanya, like we learned in Abraisa. Hoshit Yadobasal. You put your hand into a basket that had, sorry, um, you put into a basket that um, had one thing, the hasal al sefo, and the basket was on your shoulder. So basically, you put your hand into a basket, and the basket's on your shoulder, and then you have a shovel that's inside the basket. And your mind was on the basket and whatever was inside the basket. Um, so your mind, you were guarding the basket and whatever was in the basket. But your mind was not on the shovel. You did not, you were not intending to guard the shovel that's inside the basket as well. So we answer, so what we end up saying is, We say that the basket and whatever's inside the basket is pure. And the shovel itself is tummy. That's what we end up saying. So we see very clearly, um, or let's just finish off the proof. Hasal tahar. Now you're going to tell me the basket is pure. Titame hamagrefa lasal. But shouldn't the shovel, if we're going to say that the shovel could become impure, then the shovel should contaminate the basket. So how could you say that the shovel is impure, but the basket's not? Shouldn't the shovel pure Im, make the basket impure? Um, so to that, the Gemara says, ain klimatame kli. A utensil is not able to contaminate another utensil. But the Gemara keeps on going. But the shovel at least should contaminate the food that's inside the basket. So what do we end up saying? Rather, it must be that you can have intention on something that um, basically you guard it from something that would be able to impurify it to the extent that it could make something else impure. But you did not guard it forced from, from an impurity that could not that would not make it impure enough that it can now go and make something else impure. So seemingly that would seem to be the proof from that brisa. Um, okay, so now um, let's go a little bit further. Omar Ravina, so Ravina says, wait a minute. Be Omer, 
The Brisa is talking about, so this is this is what I just explained. The Brisa is talking about It must be that the case of the shovel is, is I guarded the shovel from something that would render it tummy. In other words, I would guarded the shovel from something that can make it so impure that it would then be able to impurify something else, make something else impure. But I did not guard it from something that would render it puzzle, meaning just it itself became something that could make it itself become impure, but not to the extent that it can then go and make something else impure. So we see very clearly a proof from the Bryce so that you can have a partial guarding and it actually works. Now we're going to ask another question. But nonetheless, we still have a question. And what is the question? It's as follows. How can Rabbiona son ben Amram and Rabbi Lazarbar Sadok, which were the last two cases, how could they say um, that you guard an object on an assumption that it's one thing and then you find out that it's something else? We say that they say it's not a valid guarding. When the Brysa that we had just brought what talks about the barrel of oil, which you guarded thinking that it was wine, it still is tohor, it's still pure from contaminating other objects. How could you possibly, how can you reconcile your opinion with the Brisa? That's what we're asking on the cases of Rabbi Yonasim ben Amram and Rabbi Lazar Bar Tzadok. And the Gemara has another question. The next question goes like this. And this, challenge, this question is actually a question on all three cases we had brought. If you recall, we had the second two cases, which were cases of where you were guarding it, thinking that it was one thing and it ends up being something else. And those were the, those were the last two cases. And then you had the first case that we brought uh, at the very beginning this morning, this this um, during this podcast, where basically you had something fall from you and you told your friend to pick it up and give it to you, where we say that that's also considered a diversion of attention. So now we're going to ask a question from a Brisa. That's basically a question on all three of the scenarios that we brought early on, on Chaf Ahmad Aleph, on this Amud, on this page. Okay, Ve'od, and furthermore, Mosef Rabba Baravua. Rabba Baravua asked the following question. Ma'isa Isha Achas. A Brisa tells us that there was a case with a woman. Shabbasalifne Rabbi Shmal, who came before Rabbi Shmal. Fa'amrlo. And she said to him, Rabbi, my teacher, Begedze aragtiv betahara. I wove this garment while I was pure, or complete purity. But I did not have a mind to guard it in, in it, it in purity. So in other words, what she knew was, is that um, she knew that it did not come into contact with anything that could have made it impure. But she also says that she did not consciously guard it from impurity, um, fr- fr- from something impure coming into contact with it. So now Rabbi Shmuel is going to ask her questions. And Rabbi Shmuel interrogated her. So through the in questions that Rabbi Shmuel asked her or interrogated her with, Amrilo, she ended up saying to him, Rabbi, my teacher, Nida Mashcha Imi Bachevel. The truth is, is I do remember that Anida, a woman that was menstruating, she pulled the rope together with me that was attached to the loom which of course could very well have made this stuff impure because Anida has the ability to make something else impure. To which Rabbi Shmuel replied, Omar Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel said, Kam How great are the words of the sages. Shahayu Omrim, because the sages say, tahar. If one had a mind to guard it, it's Tahar. Tame. But if you did not have a mind to guard it, it is Tame. Let's go a little bit further in the Brisa. 
There's another case of somebody that came in from front of Rabbi Shmal. Amrullah and she said to him, Rabbi, my teacher, Mapazu Araktiha Betahara. I wove this cloth in complete purity. But I did not have a mind to guard it. So in other words, I know that nothing impure came into contact with it, but I did not specifically have intention to guard it. And through the questions that Rabbi Shmuel asked her, Amrolo, she ended up concluding and saying to him, Rebbe, my teacher, Nima Nifsakali. Um, one of the threads I was losing, I was using, I'm sorry, snapped. Ukishartia Bepan, I tied it using my mouth, which of course um, would then means that the some of her spit may have touched it. And if some of her saliva touched it, so saliva um, this woman, um, that saliva could very well have been impure, um, which could have contaminated the entire mappa, the entire um, cloth that she was weaving. So um, Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel says, How great are the words of the sages, Shahayu Omrim, who would say, If she has specific intention to guard it, it's pure. But if she did not have specific intention to guard it, it is impure. Okay, so now we're going to ask our um, our question. The question is as follows. Rabbi Shmuel said, if one had intention to guard it, it is pure. Um, so what we're asking is, is that as long as you had intention to guard whatever article that is, it seems like that is enough. And if that's the case, how could you possibly say in any one of the three scenarios, so beginning with the last, the second two scenarios, where you had in mind, where you thought it was one thing you were guarding, but it was something else, but you really did guard it the entire time, then according to the Rebbe Yishmael, all you need is that you have to have in mind to guard it. It shouldn't make a difference that it happened to be you thought it was something that different than it actually was. And secondly, even in the first case, the first case where your shawl fell from you and somebody else picked it up and returned it to you, the garment could still have been guarded the entire time, and if so, why is it tame? Why is it now impure? So this is how we're going to do it. So what the Gemara is going to do is it's going to answer the question from Rabbi Shmuel, the question we just brought, um, on the second two cases. It's going to answer that question, why it's not really a question on the second two cases, but we're still going to have a very strong question on the first case. So that's what we're going to say right now. Bishmama le Rabbi Lazar bar Tzadok. It makes sense according to Rabbi Lazar bar Tzadok, which was one of the cases where you had in mind that it was one thing and ended up being something else, specifically the case of the two women whose garments got exchanged in the bathhouse. So we can say that in that case, it became impure because kol achas achas omeres, each woman says, chaverti eishas amharetz. Each woman says, my my. The person, my friend, the other woman, is not knowing, not knowing who they actually are, would say, oh, my friend, this other woman is a wife of a Amhar, it's somebody that is not careful with Tuma and Tahara, and Machsa Daitamimena, and she basically just gives up, she diverts her attention from guarding the garment, because at that point, it's already in the hands of someone that she thinks is very likely to be impure, and that's why it's considered a um, diversion of attention, because, not to, not because what she had presumed was one thing ends up being something else, but because the moment she realizes that it's in the hands of another woman, and she doesn't know that this woman is careful with purity and impurity, um, so she immediately just gives up hope, in other words, and no longer has intention on it. Lir Rabbi Yonasem ben Amram Nami, and also in the case of Rabbi Yonasem ben Amram, 
which again was the case where you intended to take out your weekday garment, but instead took out your Shabbos garments, where we say basically you had in mind it was one thing and ended up being another, where we say it should be, it's considered a diversion of attention. That case is also different. Kivin the Kalim de Shabbos avidlihu shimortve masach daitomimenu. The answer is as follows: because you usually guard your Shabbos garments even more carefully than your weekday ones. And now what ends up happening is, is because you thought your Shabbos garments were your weekday ones, you didn't guard them as carefully as you would have done for your weekday ones. That's considered a diversion from them. Meaning, once you did not guard them to the same level that you would usually guard, guard those specific things, that's considered a diversion of attention. But certainly, if it ends up being, if it's one, you have to think that it's one thing, and it ends up being something else, and that something else, and the thing that you thought it was, you would guard the same exact level, then certainly that's not going to be considered a diversion of attention. Rather, the following question comes up, and I think we will stop here um, for right now because we covered a lot of new concepts and new material here, and we will um, continue on with Chaf Ahmad Bez with 20B um, in our next podcast. Um, Thank you very, very much and have a great week.